check it out. New studio. Oh, I guess if people are on Spotify, they can see the new studio, but everyone else, they don't get to see the new studio we've got. We just talked about this last week. I suspect you probably spent a little less money than Conan O'Brien spent on his studio, but it does look very nice, my man. I'm digging it. Yeah, there's there's not a, a wall behind me. I, I, I went all out on this one. Well, and I think a little more natural light. You've been you've been upgraded out of the basement to an actual room with windows. So I feel like that's a win for you. Well, it's funny because like I spend my day like, you know, looking out the window and seeing the outside now. I'm not I'm not trapped in a basement looking at this steel wall. <laughs> that was that's been probably the best thing for me you know, after moving, moving to remote work and working out of the corner of my bedroom for close to two years, <laughs> which was slowly killing me every day. And people who know me or worked with me know that it was, uh, it was a bit of an odyssey. And finally, I built this little office out of my backyard, which is amazing. And one of the things that was really important for me was to have a lot of windows. So I've got window right behind me. I've got the same window in front of me. I've got a bunch of windows up top. It's all this natural light coming in, man. It just makes me feel good. Just go outside, man. That's actually one thing. I, I asked my parents, I was like, where should I, you know, not to bring them into this conversation. This is, this is my space. But um, I asked them, I was, like, I was like, where should I do my next <laughs> podcast episode from? And, and everyone was like, oh, dude, from like one of your hiking trails or like, you know, the cool you know mm. mountains or something. And I thought I would absolutely do that, but I'm not going to get a cell signal on 99% of these places. No, that's the whole point of going outside and getting out into the wilderness is to get away from technology, right? Uh, I don't know. Cause last week when I was hiking, I actually saw for the first time in my life in the wild, a, uh, one of those SpaceX Starlink dishes out. I've never actually seen really? one. And I was really tempted to go up to this guy and be like, Hey, you know, I, I couldn't help but notice, but I, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. But I feel like that's not camping at that point. I don't know what it's called, but I'm all about it. <laughs> I mean, I guess glamping sort of if you've got all the technology. So I just I, I got to clarify the story. So the dude brought his Starlink satellite dish camping. out into the wilderness yes. so he could still have internet connectivity. Oh, you bet. He was camping and um, hmm. I don't know. He had solar panels out, too, so. I don't know what was going on wow. with that, but, uh, you know, if That's you gotta, well, yeah, well, you know, if you gotta be connected, you gotta be connected. And speaking of being connected, uh, Gabe, I, I like to joke about this with, with the team a lot, you know, since, since we are remote right now, uh, you know, Facebook and it's always talking about, you know, the metaverse and all these new technologies, zoom mm -hmm. is doing it too, Microsoft too, specifically with meetings. But one of my favorite things, and I'm absolutely about this, I think it would be so funny, but uh, Microsoft Teams announced a feature a few months ago, and it was basically like a virtual meeting that you could like walk around the meeting space, have presentations up on the wall, and and you could see your team, you know, in, in this virtual space. And I just know, like, you're ready to quit just hearing that. <laughs> I, I hate it so much. And it makes me feel like a hundred year old man because I'm like, well, I'm not going to adopt this new technology. But it's, it just is weird, man. I don't like the fake little people walking around. You and I did a call with a couple of colleagues uh, earlier. Was it earlier this week? I guess it was last week where we turned on the immersive setting in Zoom, which is not quite as intense as the Microsoft one that you're talking about where you walk around and things like that. But um, it was a little unsettling. It's weird. You You basically end up in a, they, they put you side by side instead of, in like a virtual room. If anybody has, if anybody hasn't tried it, I would recommend trying it just to see what it's like. You go, you can go into Zoom, 
do your immersive setting and it's very unsettling and weird. Gabe, but I would recommend just giving it a shot. I looked at the the options for those meetings. You know, we did the classroom run. It was like us in the classroom mm-hmm. and you as the instructor up front, which just absolutely killed me. <laughs> but the one that yeah, absolutely just sent me was, and I'm going to laugh just like thinking about this, but there was one and it was a ski lift and it was just like the three people on the ski lift, you know? And I thought this is- Oh, that's hilarious. This is, this is this, you know what? This is just good stuff here. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> And you, you better believe that next time we have a team meeting and, and I'm hosting that call, absolutely, we will be in, um, you know, some kind of new setting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can hang out on the ski lift together. That's, that's ridiculous. That's, I love that. That's I would be, super I would be so Actually, distracted. you mentioned meta. Have you seen, have you seen the new meta? I think it's their new meta portal. So it used to be the Facebook portal, right? They had that weird little screen one of those you could get. in my house. <laughs> No, I agree. It's super creepy. But have you seen the new one that they're that they're aiming at remote work? I haven't. It's it's interesting. Oh man, I feel like I'm up on technology and something you aren't up on. I feel so privileged. I'm You're gonna, I'm gonna first fire back with these sorts of with things. A, it's a Facebook <laughs> product. I'm not a Facebook user. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a little, it's a screen, right? It's just a screen and it's got a camera built into it. It's very similar to what the meta portal was before or the Facebook portal, what they were calling it previously, but it moves or it will follow you around. So if you had a home office and you wanted to get up and walk around and do a presentation to a team or something like that, the camera would follow you around and then you could, you know, kind of like you were talking about with teams, you know, do your virtual, you know, virtual meeting stuff and things like that. That's- it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I, it's not a terrible idea. I just, I'm not, I, Facebook is, or Facebook or Meta or whoever has proved anything. It's definitely that they should not be trusted with putting a camera in your home that they can see you on. I'm all about like moving around during meetings though. I'm not one who can just mm. sit still. I have the attention span of, uh, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Um, but like, if I could like walk around and like present in my, in my podcast studio, as, as I call it, um, I would, I would absolutely do it. Except I guess I feel like then I'd really have to like dress up most days instead of the fake like, you know, dress shirt on. And- yeah, you might actually have to put on pants instead of uh, instead of shorts. So oh, man, you know, yeah. that's a bummer. Well, now that it's not, you know, like cold and wintry in my, ha- in my house, uh, I don't have to wear like pajama pants anymore. So, um, you know, if, if the time does come, I'll have to start dressing up again. I thought that was one of the big benefits of remote, uh, remote work. But uh, huge benefit of remote work. Anyway, All about the shorts for work. I'm a big fan. Oh yeah, me too. It's, well, it's, it's hot. I, I don't, don't want to be like sweating with the AC on all day. <laughs> yeah, no. Ridiculous. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. Um, well, I suppose we should probably transition to like an actual topic, you know, instead of all of this random stuff. Can I make stuff. one but last comment? The, <laughs> oh, please. Yes, um, go for it. Not asking permission. I'm going to do it anyway. But I was looking up podcast ideas, like like essentially like a mini game you could play. And um, one of the ideas was just to like, like talk and like BS for like 20 minutes. And I thought like, I gave it, I basically do that already. That's how we, that's how we introduce these podcasts. So consider that segment done. Yeah. We can, we can move on to the actual content now. We can check that one off of our bingo card for sure. If anybody's <laughs> keeping score at home. Well, the topic we did want to talk about today was multi-channel marketing and specifically thinking about how many touch points you need to really get in front of somebody in a way that's going to compel them to take it to take an action. We want to talk about a different a few different channels as we're going through here, obviously some social channels, um, you know, just ways, that, you know, push notifications, things like that, that that companies are using to get in front of folks. But one 
one topic I wanted to throw out here, Zach, is the rule of seven, which is this kind of traditional, very traditional uh, rule that has been around for probably over a hundred years at this point. And I just feel like is thrown out as gospel, you know, all the time, which is the rule of seven is that a prospect needs to hear an advertising message at least seven times before they're going to actually take an action. Uh, is this something that I guess, is this something you are aware of? Is this something that's, that you've discussed with people in the past as well, of just this kind of rule of seven and it just being a marketingism that everybody kind of believes? It's, it's funny because, um, my first exposure to the rule of seven was actually in a math class. And our professor was like, you got to hear hmm. it seven times. And I was like, I don't want to hear this one time, but, uh, <laughs> no, it was, uh, it's absolutely something we've talked about in, um, you know, I, I don't know if I want to see the same message seven, seven times, which is something we'll get into today, but I, there, there is a, a sense of repeating that message and, and making sure someone does see that because if you send me one message, you know, chances are, I don't know what that message was by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think we get so much advertising thrown at us on a regular basis. When I was doing some research on this rule of seven thing, I was, I think there's a study done a few years ago that said we get 5,000 advertising messages thrown at us every day. And I think that number's even increased now to more like probably seven or 8,000 just because we are, you know, seeing all of these things on our phone and on our TVs and, you know, on the internet and all of these things are just coming at us. So there does need to be some repetition in order to break through that noise. I don't know. I just, I, I kind of feel like it's gotta be more than seven, you know, with the amount of information that's thrown at us on a regular basis. And I was, I was doing some reading, trying to figure out, you know, is, is the rule of seven still something that people even consider to be the number, right? Or is it more like 50 or, you know, whatever, right? I mean, it's, it's just, I feel like it's gotta be more than seven. Oh man. Could you imagine seeing the same like add 50 times on oh, that would be so repetitive. But one thing too to point out, Gabe, is- Sure I have. have I mean, a, just think about scrolling through social media, right? I mean, I'm sure you see the same ad 50 times. Oh man, yeah, well, I, I'm, I really wish there was a way to go back and see like what specific ads I've, I've seen or clicked on just to be like, oh yeah, I, I remember mm. that, you know? But one thing I like to mm -hmm. point out is, you know, seven ads, repeat yourself, seven ads, you know, however many times, or maybe you have one really good ad um, so, you know, quality of content too is something you could consider. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I guess it's got to, you know, part of this is quality content, but, but, it, and it is, I think one of the things that we've seen from time to time is that there isn't as much thought put into making sure that you have a consistent message across multiple channels. And I know that was something that you wanted to talk about today, just kind of thinking about, you know, multi-channel, you know, multi-channel marketing as well. And, what what are some thoughts that you would have around, you know, recommendations around how to get content in front of people in the right way? You know, what channels should people be using? Maybe we could kind of transition to that. Well, I, you know, you know me, I've got a lot of, a uh, lot of opinions on this, but um, <laughs> I know you got a lot of thoughts. I, so I sent you that. Share, bud. Oh yeah. Let's, let's talk. Um, I sent you that study that ranked social media uh, channels based on, you know, which, mm. which ones people are using. So this isn't, you know, 100% just me saying, this is what I use. This is, this is what people generally use in the study. Number one, Gabe, do you want to guess what number one is? I feel like you already know. Oh, it's, I mean, number one still got to be Facebook. It is. Number one is Facebook. And ironically, number two is Instagram. And, and Instagram would be my mm -hmm. number one if I was going to personalize this and, and add my 
uh, commentary, but uh, no, number one is Facebook. So, you know, if you're not using Facebook, like that's, you know, a huge mistake. Mistake number one, as I always say, but we talk about Facebook in a lot of these podcast episodes. Um, if you're not advertising on Facebook by now, uh, you know, send Gabe and I a message. We might help you out for a small fee. But uh, number one is Facebook. If you you got to advertise on Facebook. And then following that to you uh, with number two is Instagram. Gabe, I know we talked about you having a Facebook account and using it for business related whatever. Do you have an Instagram account at all? <laughs> I do. I have a couple. A couple. Um, you, have a, you, have a, you have a Instagram? I have, yes. No, it's not if Instagram. It's more one is, again, for a, a company related thing. So uh, I have my personal Instagram account, which honestly, I don't look at a whole lot. Um, but, you know, definitely seen ads. I've seen ads, you know, as I'm scrolling through, scrolling through Instagram as well. Um, and then I have the one that is for the um, for the side business that I have or the, the business that I'm invested in. So I'm connected to their Instagram as well. So I can see what's going on from a business perspective on, on that Instagram feed. Okay. And in Instagram, again, you know, owned by Facebook, made of whatever you want to call them these days. Yes. Uh, but again, it's a fantastic place to spend some of that ad money and not even mm -hmm. spending ad money, just having an account and posting content too. You can easily adapt your Facebook content for Instagram. You know, we're talking about multi-channels um, again, Instagram is very much image focused. It's video focused to, to an extent. Um, so, you know, having those visual messages, it's going to be a little different from um, some of your other channels, but just keep in mind, um, I'm not going to Instagram to see a wall of text. I'm going to see, you know, maybe your latest construction project. Gabe, you and I do a lot of uh, BSP uh, fiber builds. Maybe someone's posting images of their fiber build, but just keep that in mind. The content um, you can keep that messaging pretty pretty much the same, you know, keep that consistent. Um, but the actual content itself, you'll need to adapt to each each channel. The next channel that yeah. speaks. Hey, I forgot to tell you this. Yeah, go ahead. I, I forgot to tell you this, Zach. So I was actually I was talking to a, one of my BSP customers earlier this week and um he was, I was doing some research on some ads that he's running right now. And one of them was uh, to harken back to the conversation we had last week around vertical short form, uh, short form video. He had a vertical short form video ad running along with a traditional kind of a more traditional ad on Facebook newsfeed. Um, and then I think there was one other ad as well that was kind of more in the traditional, you know, kind of feed, uh, feed sizing. So I asked him, hey, which, you know, which one of these three is performing the best? Because it was very similar, very similar imagery, very similar messaging, just laid out in three different ways. And he said that the vertical ad was performing by far the best. It was getting, I don't even know, like three or four times as many clicks, maybe even more That's than like some breaking the traditional news. news feed. I know. <laughs> like, like I was we, really surprised, really pleasantly surprised. Like we should highlight that if you if you got anything from last week's episode was to go out and try, you know, just making that vertical video. And there you go, mm -hmm. uh, one hundred percent success rate. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody who does this will be just as wildly yes, successful. That's a very solid, but, very solid statistic there. But that's that's awesome to hear. I yeah, absolutely. That. No, I was really excited to, for him too. And, and I was really thrilled to hear, you know, the, the positive results out of that. I think it's really cool. And, and I, I'm obviously making some inferences and assumptions here. So, you know, caveat the crap out of this, but I do think that there aren't a lot of broadband service providers with the exception of the really large national service providers, like your, you know, Xfinities and charters and things like that. They're doing a lot of that vertical short form content. And 
I think it's a great opportunity for smaller BSPs, for rural BSPs, you know, to be advertising there as well, where maybe there isn't as much competition um, for ad spend. So I think that may be one of the reasons why he was seeing some really good engagement there is that there isn't a lot of competition for those eyeballs from a broadband service perspective in that vertical short form video. And a total side note, but branching off that a little bit is people love local content. You know, if you've got a big mm. nationwide broadband provider coming in advertising, and then you, the local provider have, you know, local video photos, whatever that content may be, I would, I would bet it's going to perform better than, um, you yep. know, whatever company, not send any names. Um, but going down this content list, Facebook, Instagram, number three, and this is the app Gabe uses all the time when that is Snapchat. So <laughs> Snapchat, in my opinion, is a tough one to use for advertising and just kind of creating content just because mm. Snapchat is a very specific platform itself, the channel itself. It's, you know, those short multi-second videos, adding to your stories, um, maybe adding a filter to other people's snaps. But it's it's a difficult one to use or to, to advertise on, I should say. But it's, you know, it's number three on the list of apps people are using. Yeah, I'm... Snapchat is definitely not one that's that's on my phone for sure, but I I would be curious, Zach, as a as much more of a Snapchat user than I am. What do you do? You see a lot of adver- ads on on Snapchat. Do you feel like companies are effective with the ads that they're running on Snapchat? Do you want my honest opinion, or do you want my market my, my professional marketing opinion? <laughs> no, I want your honest my, opinion. My honest <laughs> this opinion is a casual conversation. My honest opinion is if you are a small BSP or small business, I would consider using <laughs> I would consider using another channel to to advertise on. Mm. If you want to create content on Snapchat, that's fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I said last week, try it. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I I I struggle with it because there is paid content on Snapchat. I never use it. There is those, you know, company mm. filters. I never use them. I will say there's often like event filters people put in town, like, hey, you know, concert this week sponsored by XYZ. You know, maybe do something like that. That'd be okay. But I, I think yeah, Snapchat is, is a very difficult one um, to leverage in that case. If you're using it just to create content, mm. again, it's gonna be more difficult for that short form video. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with that, but I would say it's, it's a challenging platform to use. And- Interesting. Yeah, I, I I feel like at some point you got to make you got to make some choices. You know, of like where am I going to get the most bang for my buck? Even just even if it's just general content that you're creating, where am I going to get the most eyeballs? And as you said at the beginning of this, Facebook, Instagram still being one too, and those all being part of the same platform, it feels like you can get way more eyeballs on your content using those two platforms than Snapchat or I know, I think not to jump ahead, but the next one you were going to talk about on this list, um, I think is another area, which is interesting, but again, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that it would be the best use of people's time. You're talking about Pinterest and it's funny because I am talking about Pinterest. It's funny because like, I I have a lot of conversations with people saying like, should I like try Pinterest app for my business? And I'm, you know, Mm. I'm always like, yes, you know, let's, let's try it. Uh, but I, I personally don't have a Pinterest account. I don't use it. So I'm not the one to speak on what that cust, you know, that, that experience is like for the this customer, whoever's visiting your page or whatever Pinterest, mm-hmm. I don't know what they call them. I don't use Pinterest. So I'm, I'm not the one to talk on Pinterest. So I think it's funny that that one's kind of high up on the list, but the thing I want to point out with Pinterest is 
right below yeah. Pinterest is Twitter. So Pinterest has more traffic mm-hmm. than Twitter. And and Twitter's one I don't know. I, I feel like I don't see as as many people advertising on Twitter, but the thing with Twitter is you really don't need to spend that much money because Gabe, a lot of the examples I sent you from Twitter was I think you know, we've we've mentioned Wendy's in the past, but just these companies mm-hmm. just tweeting, you know, going out there and tweeting. Wendy's talking about they've got the new strawberry frosty out and they made the comment. I don't know if I share this with you, Gabe, but they made the comment or they, they tweeted out saying, Hey, you know, come come try the strawberry I don't know what the messaging was. Come try the strawberry frosty because the ice cream machine is broken at the other place. And we all know who that other place is. <laughs> so Twitter's just a fun platform. Yep. I, I think it's fun. Um, you, you can go on, you can tweet. If you have competition, you know, Wendy's does it. Why can't you do it? But, but you know, nicely maybe start some some competition and, and something on Twitter. But I'm all about starting, uh, you know, Twitter fights. I don't know about you, Gabe. I feel like you have to have a very specific person who's running your social media account in order to do that successfully. <laughs> like there's a level of wittiness you can, you can't, <laughs> that's you required in order out, for that to be successful. You don't just want to go out and call out the biggest, you know, broadband provider in the nation. Uh, that, nah, probably that not, right? I feel like that might backfire. Yeah, that be trouble, but yeah, I mean, I feel like if, that might backfire. I mean, that's just one example. Wendy's using it, but so many brands use it. And the one thing I like that brands do too on Twitter is, they respond to each other. Netflix will say something and then, you know, maybe Wendy's responds, maybe Mm. um, a soup restaurant down the street responds. People just jump on the opportunity and suddenly you have all these verified accounts. I don't know why I used a soup restaurant example. That was just terrible. Um, But suddenly you have all these accounts replying to each other on Twitter and, you know, you got to build the following and everything, but it's, it's such an easy thing to try, but it kind of goes back to a point I made in the beginning saying you have to adapt the content. Like I said, Instagram is very visual mm-hmm. images, videos. Twitter, it's very much like a sentence or two max. You don't want a long paragraph and a long essay calling out your competition down the street. So again, you can kind of have that consistent messaging, but you do need that individual strategy for each of, each of these channels. I do think video content actually works really well on Twitter. When I'm scrolling through Twitter feed and I come across you know, a video, even if it's an ad, there's moving pictures, I'm much more likely to stop versus, you know, just a, you know, random kind of static, you know, static image. So I do think video content can actually be really effective on Twitter. I would say, I don't know that I've ever, I don't know that I've ever actually clicked on an ad from Twitter, like at least not on purpose. I'm sure I've accidentally clicked on one from time to time, but I do think just almost Kind of like what we were talking about last week with the short form video. If it's more about building your brand and building awareness for your brand, I do think Twitter could be potentially an effective way it's to do that. It's funny because I would say probably out of all of the movie trailers I have seen in the past, I don't know, 12 months, mm. I would say probably you know, most, if not all of these movie trailers I've seen were advertised to me on Twitter, which, you know. I've, I've watched them. I'm big into movies and, and seeing that. So if I see that content on Twitter, I'll, I'll, I'll engage with it. But that's typically the, the ad I see most on Twitter is just new movies coming out. That's a really good point. Now that you say that, I think that's probably me too, right? Is the, the ads that I've seen the most are movie trailers on Twitter and they work well. And even if it's a two minute long trailer, if it's a movie I'm interested in, I will totally sit and watch it, right? Which is the exact opposite of what most people would tell you. You know, it's, oh, it's gotta be, you know, six second content, otherwise people are just gonna scroll by it. But if it's something I'm interested in, 
I'll sit and watch that for, you know, two minutes or, you know, even maybe, maybe even longer. I mean, people, people put some long movie trailers on Twitter. Oh man, I, I just really want to go to the movies now. I don't know if anything new has come out, but <laughs> I feel like with COVID just kind of shutting things down for a while, we kind of hit this dip of, you know, not, not many movies being out. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to mm-hmm. see what's going on because I haven't been to a movie in, in months. I have not been to a movie in a long okay, time. I, don't, I think I don't the last movie now. I saw in the theater. No, don't feel bad. I haven't been in a long time. I think the last movie I saw in the theater was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. My dad and I have a tradition that we have to go check out all of the new Quentin Tarantino movies I, in the theater. I haven't even so, seen that one, but uh, you know, I, <laughs> the last movie I went to was like two months ago. I think it was Death on the Nile. So I guess I'm not as far behind as I thought I was. There you go. See, that's not too bad. I got to tell this story really quick, especially because I know my dad listens to this. So I love my dad. Father's Day is coming up. You know, it's a great time to great time to love on your dad. But my dad, when I was <laughs> 14 years old. now? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I'm just telling I'm just telling you about how wonderful of a father I have. So when, when uh, I was 14, my dad took me to see Pulp Fiction and that was not a great movie to take a 14 year old to a lot of inappropriate stuff. If you have not seen Pulp Fiction, um, I'm sure most people have, but definitely not a movie for a child. <laughs> and, uh, ever since then, whenever a new Quentin Tarantino movie comes out, we do, we do go out and see it. But, um, I, I, I would say, I don't know that my dad has a ton of regrets in his life, but that's probably one of them that he took me to see uh, Pulp Fiction when I was that age. I haven't seen it and I can't pronounce the name you just said. I don't know who that is. <laughs> so uh, if, <laughs> You're killing me, if we lose podcast viewers because of this, uh, uh. I, I'm not even sorry. I don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> um, uh, too that's, funny. <laughs> that's good but, but just jumping back here to these channels we just talked about like i said consistent messaging individual strategies for each channel you can't post a tweet on facebook if you just post a one paragraph message on facebook i would you know it's gonna flop it's not gonna do well but you can absolutely have yeah. the same general theme that that same messaging just customize it and, and brand it for each each channel specifically and the big thing gabe we always mm-hmm. talk about using data and I feel like this could just be a podcast episode on its own, but use the data you have to see which channel is doing best. If you if you dump money into Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram and you notice Snapchat isn't doing as well, you know, maybe optimize the ad, see what you can do to change that, or maybe reallocate some of that ad spend. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to use the results from these campaigns and to even do A and B testing. Facebook, this is something I recommend people do on Facebook even. Um, an email as well, you know, I'm not really talk, talking about email as a platform today, but A and B testing has been so easy to do on all of these platforms. You know, you basically make two ads mm-hmm. and you come back and see which ad does the best. And then, you know, you have that data too. So definitely do that as well. And then speaking of data and gate. Can I, can I make a comment really yeah, quick yeah, there? Yeah, go I, ahead. So I was, I was meeting with a, with a customer last week and they're very active on Facebook, especially in some areas that they're trying to grow. And so they're spending a decent amount of money on Facebook ads in these particular areas. And they actually had, I think like six or seven different creatives that they were running. So they were running a bunch of different creative in the same market, but they were kind of trying to see, hey, which one is gonna be more effective? We went back and looked at the results and there were two of the creatives that performed way better, way better than the others, like triple the click-through rates of 
you know, some of these others. And that's the type of thing that I think you really need to look at if you're looking at your Facebook ads reporting is drilling into that level of detail to say, okay, I ran eight different creatives. Two of those performed excellent. Great. I'm going <laughs> to, all my ads going forward should be kind of using these and using images similar to these, because I know this resonates really well with, with my subscriber base and, or my prospect base in this case. But without looking at that information, you'd have no idea. And at that point, you're just kind of guessing on, you know, well, what do I think is going to perform the best, right? Versus to your point, using the data to actually understand what is performing. The and, best. and speaking of all, all of that, Gabe, um, tailor your message to people with specific needs, interests, and, and, you know, know your audience. We talked about this a, a lot last mm -hmm. week, but using, you know, detailed targeting, customizing that messaging. If you're advertising to gamers, tell Facebook you're advertising to gamers, you know, identify those interests out and segment down your audience. You'll, you'll see results with that ad. I'm positive. Um, we talked a lot about life events targeting too. Well, then, so that's just another option. You can maybe mm -hmm. have them listen to that podcast episode, go back a week. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and making sure that that message is, can, is consistent throughout, you know, I, I I posted a video, a short LinkedIn video about this, I think last week, but I was seeing ads from some of these large providers where they're talking to gamers and then they're driving people back to a landing page that talks very specifically about how these companies are going to be or how, how that particular company is the best option for gamers. Doesn't even matter if they are the best option for gamers. They're just saying that and they're saying that consistently in their social ad and then saying it on the landing page that they're driving people back to when they actually click on that ad. Oh man. And I, I just love that example too, but I think, you know, considering all of this, one thing I do want to remind people is don't overwhelm people with too many messages. You know, mm -hmm. we've talked about the rule of seven and all, but there, there's a point when, when too much is, is going to annoy people. And like, let me tell you a thing or two about being annoyed by, by advertising <laughs> <laughs> because a couple of weeks ago, I, I saw this, this thing, this ad on Facebook and it was like, Hey, you know, send us a message on Facebook messenger and we'll send you a free pizza. And, you know, it was lunchtime. I was hungry. I was like, yeah, you know, I want a free pizza. I actually sent this to Gabe because I thought it was such a fantastic idea. I sent a message on, on Facebook messenger. It's just like the, whatever message pre-built message that kicked off this campaign and like all chaos broke mm -hmm. loose. It was a disaster. I probably got <laughs> 20 to 25 messages within a, like a one minute time frame. It was so bad that as soon as I wow. got my free pizza coupon code, I blocked the company just because it was message <laughs> after message. My phone was going up, my watch was going up, I, I had my you know my desktop Facebook notifications going up. It was absolute chaos, and it's funny because after that experience, if I'm gonna buy, if, if I, here we go, like it's almost dinner time. If I'm gonna go out and buy a pizza tonight. It is not going to be from that company. I, I am still annoyed by that, mm. but just the overwhelming notifications was too much. And I have a habit of doing this. We're going to talk about SoFi, Gabe, and I know like that's enough for you to drop off the podcast now, but push notifications, that's a fantastic channel you you have. But mm -hmm. if you overuse them you know, and, and send messages that are just not relevant to the subscriber, to your customers... They too will get annoyed. You know, they're going to see that message and think, "Why is this coming to me? This means nothing to me." Um, and, and and that's something you know, Gabe, we've talked about quite a bit. But but one thing I like to point out too is I really like actionable notifications. Um, so think like you get a text yeah. message, you get a phone call, 
you're going to click on that notification. You're going to click on it. You're going to respond. You're going to call someone back, whatever it is. You get a Snapchat. Um, you know, if Gabe's off Snapchat and he gets a new Snapchat, he's going to respond to it with the, with a selfie. But you know, it's, it's actionable. There's something going on there. But if you send a notification that's just like, Hey, how's your day going? You know, my, my day's fine. Goodbye. Like that, that kind of messaging is just pointless. And I, I think we should avoid that. Agreed. And yeah, certainly the the mobile notification piece, I think, can be incredibly powerful for companies if they use it correctly. Right. Uh, it's, you know, with great power comes great responsibility or something to go like full on Spider-Man on you. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's a, such a great channel. We've seen it be I've seen it be really effective with with you know customers that I've worked with in the past. Um, because it is directly through to our phones, but you obviously have to be careful with it. I think a company that does a really good job with their push notifications is Grubhub. They're very timely. Oh yes, uh, I, they're like this is th a terrible time you're talking about Grubhub. They're just really good, man. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I know you're hungry, but no, it's their their messaging is just always on point. It's I, uh, the NBA final, I might've mentioned this before, but you know, NBA finals are going on, right? I'm a big basketball, love, love basketball. And they're really great at, you know, 15 minutes before the game tips, they'll send a notification that's relevant to, you know, it's got a little basketball icon in the, in the, in the notification. And it's like almost tip off time, make sure you get your order in, right. Or whatever. It's just, it's always relevant. It's timely. They just do a really nice job with it. The copy is always really tight and I actually don't order a lot of stuff from Grubhub, ironically, but you know their their notifications are great. And, and DoorDash, I think, actually does a pretty good job of this too. Although theirs are more, DoorDashes are more um, discount related, right? It's more if you haven't ordered anything in a month, then it's take twenty percent off your mm -hmm. next order. And that's one that I use probably more, just because more restaurants around the area that I live are on DoorDash versus Grubhub. Um, so you know that's the probably why I use that one more, but, but, you know, they could, I think, I think DoorDash could take a page out of the Grubhub uh, playbook where, you know, they, they could be a little bit more timely about the push notifications versus just giving you a discount. You know what well, I mean? Gabe, um, I, I'm a huge DoorDash fan too. And uh, just to speak directly to, you know, Gabe's dad again, hi, hi, Gabe's dad, but Father's Day is coming up. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I can speak to my dad. He doesn't watch this. This is, again, this is my space, but Father's Day is coming up and, and, <laughs> Oh man, if, if my parents see this, I am dead. But <laughs> if Father's Day is coming up and I have gotten several notifications. Yes, mom, I know. But I've gotten several notifications from DoorDash saying, hey, 50% off these Father's Day gifts. And cool, you know, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, one example of DoorDash kind of using that that page in the playbook. But yeah, I actually did see those too. And you're right. Those are a little bit more timely. You know, and I, I think they did the same thing around Mother's Day too. It was like, you know, 25% off your order, give mom a break, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Right. And I was like, oh, all right. Those are, those are pretty smart. So they do, they do time those out from time to time, but I, I think, uh, not as, not as effectively as Grubhub does. In oh my yeah. Opinion. And before I get into too much trouble with, with my parents listening to this podcast, um, I want to talk about, um, kind of the last, last item today is, and that's going to be, um, just, just some campaigns we've seen that had that kind of on my channel approach and, and what the results were. Hmm. And one of the ones I want to use is a couple of years old now, but it was, you know, they called it quote, an Instagrammable success, which Gabe, I, I, I think you know what that means. I don't need to explain what that means. 
but it was. It, yeah, it's a terrible name, but I, I do, I do know what it. Oh means. come on! Don't you have like a post every now and then on Instagram that you're just like that was that was an Instagramable success. <laughs> Actually, that, uh, that makes no, me. No, I just think about that on LinkedIn. Think, Gabe, and this is like I grew up with. You know, selfie was a thing. People took selfies. Is that was that like a thing, or is that mm-hmm. is that a recent like phrase someone coined? Oh no, that is definitely a recent thing. That was never a thing that was discussed when I was a teenager in college or recently out of college. Oh. That was just not okay. A well, thing. we'll have a podcast episode on on selfies at some point, and. and <laughs> that kind of lingo but um back to starbucks a couple years ago they came out with the rainbow frappuccino you know they call it the instagramable success and people Mm -hmm. were posting pictures of this everywhere gabe i don't know if you saw these photos but um you know i I don't drink coffee i don't i don't go to starbucks i don't even know what's in this thing i don't know if it's even a coffee drink at this point but i mean people posted this everywhere I, i i don't know any of my friends that like were not um you know, not blasted by people sharing these messages around, the, around this new drink. I, I, I can't imagine there's anything good for you in it. I'm sure it has the amount of sugar content of probably like four sodas or something. It's like, like one. Your do people sly. do people not realize that frappuccinos are terrible for you? Is do people just assume that like, well, it's a coffee drink? How bad could it be? And not thinking that there's like a hundred grams I don't of know, sugar. I just in kind it. of like assume it's like a milkshake kind of thing. I don't. I don't it's <laughs> basically what it is, right? I mean, you might as well, you, if you're probably better off with a milkshake or, you know, the, uh, aforementioned strawberry frosty from, uh, from Wendy's or something, but we keep talking yeah, I mean, about, we keep talking about food. Last time, last week we talked about Qdoba. I'm going to have to go to Wendy's and get a strawberry mm, frosty yeah. tonight. Maybe, <laughs> I was going to say, maybe go. I'll, All right, I maybe see I'll like pick. Uber Eats one, but I thought like that's going to be melted by the time I get that's. Yeah, <laughs> no discount uh, codes for that. No, but the but to go back to the frappuccino thing, you know, it's it is crazy that it 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 kind of launched this whole. I mean, they were really trying to use it to launch the this whole idea of like a happy hour campaign, That's right? Exactly. And, it. You know, you and hit the, the thing afternoon is, doldrums, and you know, you would need a little pick me up of hundred grams of uh, hundred grams. Of and sugar. the thing is, with Gabe, this drink was only out for like a week. It wasn't out for long at all. I I, I honestly think it was mm. one week, but. The fact that like this one week product and it's just totally gone, I don't think it's come back, but totally gone. It it was mission accomplished for these guys. They they had the the attention on Instagram. They had people sharing it. Um, evidently people bought it. And I, I've seen the reviews that said it was mixed. Um, I, I honestly don't know what it is. So I have, I, you know, not my specialty, but um, people, people talked about this drink and, and the goal for Starbucks was a couple things. One was to get people to, <laughs> download their app, you know, get into the loyalty program mm-hmm. they've got. And the other one was to really build that social media identity. You know, people sharing this, people are going out on social media, seeing Starbucks, um, definitely going to get them a follow, uh, the like, the favorite, the subscription, as we say. Um, but to build this, build this campaign, Starbucks did a few things. They had a, a landing page on their website. They had, I think they had a few TV commercials as well. And then with their app, they had that in-app messaging as well. So they definitely had multiple channels going here. And then it just become just this, this huge success overnight. Yeah, that it's so smart to drive people back into that loyalty program because, man, the loyalty program is so huge for Starbucks. You know, that's that's been, I think, the thing that's made them, this, you know, if you look at one thing that's made them really successful over the last 
you know, decade, it is that loyalty program, you know, being able to skip the line. I'm not a, I'm not a Starbucks person, but, you know, I know a lot of people who are and, you know, the ability to skip the line, you know, all the personalized stuff that's in there, knowing, you know, knowing your orders, having all your order history, all that type of stuff. And obviously they're getting all that data too, which is really helpful for them. But then the ability to do those in-app, in-app notification or, you know, push notifications, in-app messaging, things like that, it just opens up a whole new world for them to really communicate directly with their customers and open open up a new channel, right? Like we've been talking about this whole time, you know, this multi-channel approach, you know, they can have that consistency of message on social, you know, in the app directly, on TV, you know, and just on these landing pages, it just provides them one additional touch point to, you know, get get this messaging out in front of people. I like your comment about skipping the line, you know, using the app to skip, to skip the line. I think we saw this a lot during COVID and all, but if there's an app that will either make my life easier or, you know, get me to the front of the line or whatever the situation may be, allows me to do something myself instead of <laughs> calling and talking to someone or do whatever, I will totally use that app. Um, Gib, I don't know, like, what your mobile payment, you know, philosophy is here, but if there's an app that I can pay with my phone, I will 100% use it. Like, I, I, I almost never use, you know, my wallet. I, I haven't used cash in probably since high school, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about mobile payments and, and using apps to, to make my life easier. Yeah. It, I, I love Venmo, man. Venmo's amazing. And there's a, we live in a, I live in a, a very agricultural area. I live in wine country in Sonoma County. And, and so there's just lots of farmers around here, you know, growing grapes, but also growing all kinds of other things as well. There's a, a little tiny spot that's a few miles from my house is called side road farms and it's called side road farms because it's literally a little tent that this woman sets up on the side of the road and she's got like nice jams and, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff, flowers, you know, fresh fruit, you know, all kinds of things, right? She takes Venmo. So you roll up to this thing and she's got a little, she used to be that you just have to have a cash box out there, right? And you'd have to, you know, if you didn't want to, if you didn't want to sit out there all day, which she doesn't want to have a cash box and people would throw money in the box. She doesn't need that anymore. She just puts her little Venmo thing on there. You grab whatever you want. You send her money via Venmo, tell her what it is and you're done. It's amazing. And it's, you know, she's just got this little spot set up, but you know, she's using technology to make it easier for people to buy things and also making it easier for you know, her to have a little business out there. I think it's pretty cool. I love it. I can't wait to see her in the uh, metaverse here now next. <laughs> well, it gave a... Uh, it's really good stuff, man. I mean, yeah, um, we're running out of time. So just to close things out, again, thanks everyone for joining us today. If you didn't notice, Gabe and I are now streaming in HD on Spotify and YouTube. How about that, Gabe? First you got me to do video and now you've got me on HD <laughs> video. I know, Nobody asked for video, we did it. Nobody asked for HD, we're doing it too. Maybe next will be 4K that definitely nobody is oh, asking man, for, I, but we'll see. I don't have uh, symmetrical speeds here at my house. So, uh, <laughs> Nor do I, that might be a problem, oh, actually. And you know, that, that could be a whole podcast episode itself, but uh, <laughs> don't forget to give Gabe and I a follow on your favorite podcast app. Again, Spotify now has video along with our YouTube channel as well. And then if you would like to, uh, click that link and it'll take you to our website where you can connect with both Gabe and myself or you can send us a message as well. But that's all we had for this week and we'll talk soon.